Amen. And can I just take a moment and say, wow, what a fantastic job Kristen has been doing with these graphics and with these videos. She loves attention, so everybody say, ah, you're doing great, Kristen. Yeah, she loves it when we point her out. <laughs> let, me, let me say that this is one of the most unique and unusual series of messages, not only that I have ever preached, but that I've ever been part of. And it's because I come from the old school. I come from the old school of church. I come from the old way of doing church, where basically our messages were pointed straight toward the Scripture, and those messages would often correlate with what we should be. What I have decided in the time that I have left to preach this gospel is that I'm not just going to point people toward what you should be, but I want to deal with where you are. Because a lot of the preaching that I encountered when I was a young Christian was always telling me what I was short in and where I was supposed to be moving to, but it was never addressing what I felt sitting in the pew. I was in deep depression. I was having marriage issues. I wasn't a perfect father. I, I didn't serve God with the greatest of faith. There were problems in my life. And I've been pastoring long enough to know that you've got some problems too. And that instead of just pointing you in a direction, in, it, it is imperative that not only do I point you where you should be going, but I need to address why you're not there yet. You're not there because this thing is in you. You're not there because you have real things that are chaining you to where you've been and not releasing you to be where you need to be. So I need to address issues. And that's what we're going to do this morning. This morning, we're going to look for peace in the graveyard. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, if you've seen these tombstones, again, that Kristen made, one of them is going to be very particularly important to my sermon this morning, and it's this one in the middle. Because we're, we're going to deal with the issue of something that is known as phantom pains. Hmm? Hey, I, I feel the anointing to preach this morning, so I'm just going to go ahead and get that out, okay? Uh, every preacher can't teach, and every teacher can't preach. They are two definitively different callings and gift sets. I, I happen to be uh, gifted uh, by the Lord to do both, and I feel the anointing to teach this this morning, so I'm not going to do a whole lot of preaching, and the reason is um, there's a lot of teachable tidbits in this that I need you to get. And if I get too carried away, you'll get carried away. And then you'll miss what it is that I'm saying. So uh, the Spirit is, is definitively leading me all week long to slow down and get this word into your spirit. So, so let me just say before I continue, you're not accidentally here. And you didn't just decide to show up this morning because you had nothing else to do. It has been a divine appointment and a collision course that the Holy Spirit has had you on with it to be here this morning and under the anointing that is going to take place because you need to hear what's about to be said. Amen. So the overwhelming theme of this whole series is this. When something dies, you bury it. And it should stay dead unless the Lord himself raises it. So today, I want to talk to you about something that is known in the medical world as phantom pains. Phantom pains is when somebody has a, a limb that is no longer functionable and is actually causing harm to the body, and they amputate it. They remove the offensive limb, but the person who had it removed still feels like it's still there. Are you with me? Are you tracking me? So, so post-amputation, they have what's called phantom pains that feels like it's coming from a body part that is no longer there. In other words, the offending limb is gone, but the pain stayed. As it is in the natural, so it is in your spirit. So I want to talk to you this morning about your spiritual phantom pains. 
Because as I studied phantom pains in the natural body, I found out that sometimes people get healed over the course of time without any treatment. Other people struggle with phantom pain for the rest of their lives. And I, too, have seen enough Christians to know that you have spiritual phantom pains and some of you are able to pray through them and get enough anointing oil on your head and have enough uh, moments with God that you get better. And then there are some of you who sit in the services Sunday after Sunday, month after month, year after year, and never come to any real healing. That stops today. I'm putting the enemy on notice. Somebody's healing comes today speedily and readily. So listen, listen, before we get started, before I dive into 1 Samuel chapter 28, before we get into the Word, I, I, I want to pray. And the reason I want to pray is because this Word is not for your husband or wife. This Word's not for your neighbor. It's not for your ex-spouse. It's not for your, uh, your boss at work. This Word is for you. However, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and He will not kick in the door of your soul to get permitted to get access to you. He waits for you to give Him permission because He wants to do a work in you, but He's not going to force His work into your life. He's going to wait for you to invite Him into your life. So that's what we're going to do right now. And if you need this word this morning, if you know that I'm already preaching on your level, that you know you've got some stuff that's been haunting you from a long time ago and you've not yet been able to release it and relinquish it and you believe today could be your day, bow your heads and close your eyes. And right now, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, the strong name of Jesus, the mighty name of Jesus, the name that reigns supreme over every other name, we call out to you today, God, and as I speak these words, allow your spirit to be massaging the hearts and the spirit of each person who is hearing these words. God, we need you. And we need to be released and healed from the things that have held us in bondage. Some of these people, Lord, under the sound of my voice, whether they are here or on, live, uh, on the uh, telecast, God, we have been dealing with these things for some of us all of our lives. And today is the day that healing comes into their spirit. Today is the day that they relinquish the past and stop being haunted by where they've been so you can take them into a new reality. We love you, we praise you, we honor you in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And everyone who gets that and receives that says, Amen, Amen. So I want to address this morning, I'm going to begin in 1 Samuel 28. I'm, I'm going to talk about spiritual phantom pains. Beginning with verse 4. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul was gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. I told you, I'm going to teach this, okay? We're going to go slow. Saul was afraid. When you get your senses heightened, you are more susceptible to the enemy's devices. Fear, uh, anxiety... Depression, chaos, abuse, these things that cause a shock to the system, loss, that they make you more susceptible to what the devil can do to your life. Saul was afraid, okay? As he was so afraid, the Bible says terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but... The Lord did not answer him by dreams or by Urim or prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, a fortune teller, a witch, so I may go and inquire of her. God wouldn't answer Saul, so he's going to find an answer somewhere. There is one in Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself. Pay attention to that because I'll come back to it at the end of this sermon. He disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night he and two men went to the woman. Consult a spirit 
for me, he said, and bring up for me the one that I name. But the woman said to him, surely you know what Saul has done? He has cut off the mediums and spiritualists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? She, she don't know this is Saul because Saul disguised himself. He is in, he, he's in disguise. And she says, you're asking me to do something that King Saul is putting people to death for. Verse 10, Saul swore to her by the Lord. It's amazing how you can swear by the Lord and be doing evil and wicked. So, so be careful when you believe everything comes out of folks' mouths because sometimes they swear by the Lord, but it ain't the Lord that's giving them the swear. Somebody say, hey, man. As surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Then the woman asked, whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a ghost. I see a ghostly figure coming up out of the earth. Now, now let's stop right there before I read verse 14. Saul is about to go into battle with the Philistines. But the problem is, God's not talking to Saul anymore. If you go back and read the story, you'll find out that God had lifted his anointing. He had lifted his hand off of Saul's life, and he is no longer with Saul. So he's not answering Saul anymore. He had, he had departed from him. So he wants to get a prediction of how the battle is going to come out. He, he's a coward. As big and strong and as mighty and as many victories as Saul has seen, he's really a frustrated, lonely, isolated coward. And he doesn't want to go into this battle without knowing what the outcome is going to be. So the Bible says he goes to this medium. He goes to find a witch, a fortune teller. He knows God don't allow that. He knows that God has forbid that. But he ordered her to call up Samuel. I'm going to get to that relationship in a few moments. But I wanted to break this down for you because I want you to see that the witch said she saw a ghost. And then verse 14 is going to be imperative to my message. So he said to her, what is his form? Stop right there. Why did he have to ask what his form was? Because he didn't see it. She saw it. She said, I see a ghost. Saul asks, what is his form? And she said, an old man is coming up and he is covered with a mantle, and Saul perceived. Look at your neighbor and say perceived. He perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. Nowhere does the Bible say Saul saw the ghost. It says he perceived that it was Samuel. And I want to stop right here and talk about this passage before I move on. Because some passages of Scripture are encouraging. And some passages of Scripture are challenging. And then, if we're honest, some passages of Scripture are a little bit weird. And I say that with all due respect because this is one of the strangest passages in the entire Bible. And it's strange because if you go read Leviticus you find out that God doesn't allow people to talk to dead folks. He says it is forbidden. He says if you talk to dead people, if you see ghosts and you talk to them and you try to conjure up spirits, you'll be put to death. That's why this witch was so afraid because she knew that what Saul was asking her to do could actually be a death sentence to her. And, and, and what is even more amazing and frustrating about this scripture is that Saul was asking to talk to Samuel, one of God's greatest prophets. In other words, Samuel, who had already died, was going to have to be brought back from the dead. Now, we believe, because the Bible teaches us, that to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. Now, we do know that this was pre-Jesus Christ. We do understand that Abraham's bosom was still in effect. But yet, 
God doesn't allow you to call spirits back from the dead. It is forbidden. He's certainly not going to allow one of his own prophets to be called back from the dead. So I'm not going to go into the details here because it would be a Wednesday night teaching. But, but what I want you to realize is that Saul never saw this thing for himself. It says he perceived something to be real based on what somebody else said. And how many times have you done the exact same thing? How many times have you believed something to be real, not because you saw it, but because of what somebody else told you? Mm -hmm. See, here's what I found out about the devil. If you're looking for something, especially if it's something God don't want you to have, if you look long enough, the devil will show it to you. If you keep looking for something that the Lord has forbidden you to have, you'll change your Facebook status to it's complicated. When the Lord forbids you to have it, if you keep looking for it, it'll show up. Now let's not forget, let's not forget that Saul had not been elected by Israel. He'd been appointed by God. So how does Saul come from being a God-appointed king to doing something so ungodly? What would make somebody so desperate that they would go to a witch and try to conjure up a ghost? Two words. Phantom pains. See, Samuel was Saul's preacher, his pastor. Saul never had a close, intimate relationship with God. When he needed to hear from God, he went to Samuel to get a word. And now that he needs God and he needs to know something from the Lord, he doesn't know how to interact with God himself, so he is trying to call Samuel back from the dead. The problem is Saul has been continually disobedient. He has, he has shook his fist in the face of God and refused to be obedient. Can I, can I just stop right here and give you a warning? Stop playing with God. Stop being in and out, up and down, hot and cold with the Lord because at some point, God gets frustrated with us. He will never not love you. He will, never, he will never cast you aside. And anyone with a broken and contrite spirit, he will draw nigh to them. But he gets frustrated with us using him for when we need him and forgetting him when we don't. So despite what, what we post on Facebook and Instagram, God wants full custody of us, not just weekend visitations. And, and, and that's what's happened to Saul. Saul was God's appointed man. But he has frustrated God to the point where God says, I'm not listening to him anymore, and I'm not answering his cries anymore. So he goes to try to call Samuel back from the dead. And I want to stop right here, and I'm going to try to teach you, okay? You, you never know where spiritual pain starts. But you can always see the evidence of it once it's began. And that's what I want to deal with this morning, because... What caused Saul's phantom pain boils down to two things that you and I are also going to deal with. Rejection and embarrassment. Can I teach you a thing? If you will go back to 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 1, the Bible says this. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing as I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. What did God do? Rejected Saul. Samuel shows up in front of the whole regiment of soldiers publicly shames and humiliates Saul. Tell Saul exactly what God said to him, 
But he did it in such a way that all the elders of Israel and all of the soldiers heard the command that God's hand was leaving Saul. The Bible says then in verse 30, Saul pleaded again. I know I have sinned, but please at least honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel by coming back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. Okay. Rejection and embarrassment. These are the root causes of spiritual phantom pains. Let me help you. He was rejected by God. He was embarrassed by Samuel, who was his pastor, his spiritual mentor. The voice of God for Saul embarrassed him publicly. Now we see the depravity of Saul's heart in this scripture because what did Saul say? Instead of saying, oh my Lord, fix my relationship with God, his first inclination was, don't embarrass me in front of my men. He was more interested in how people saw him than he was how God saw him. So we see the depravity of Saul's soul here, but at the same time, Samuel just left a spiritual wound in Saul that would never heal. I'm preaching better than you're shouting, I promise. He left a spiritual wound on Samuel's soul, on Saul's soul, that would never heal. The problem that Saul is going to have going forward all comes back to this moment of public embarrassment and rejection. Even though Samuel died, his words were still living. And it had made a mark on Saul's heart. Listen to what, Saul, listen to what God told Samuel. Fill your horn with oil and go down to Jesse's house. I have replaced That, that's, that's the translation of that passage. He said, I've moved on. I've had it with Saul. He blew his last chance with me. This phase of Saul's life is over because I have found another. That's rejection. When Samuel shows up and tells him this in front of everybody, that is in humiliation. So the reality is, every person in this room has faced the same pain of rejection and embarrassment because they go together. When you get rejected, you feel embarrassed. You can't separate these two. When someone or something makes you feel rejected, not loved, not appreciated, pushed away, you will have with it, it comes arm in arm, hand in hand, with the emotion of embarrassment. Maybe you were young and a coach cut you from the team and you felt rejected and embarrassed because some of your best friends were playing and you didn't make the squad. Maybe some of you heard, like I did, some teacher tell you that you would never amount to anything. And no matter what kind of grades you made, that voice kept telling you you wouldn't amount to anything. Or perhaps a family member reminded you constantly that you were born a troublemaker and you played the part because they spoke that over your life over and over and over again. Or, or, or maybe they told you you were unwanted because the pregnancy was a surprise. And they told you over and over that nobody ever wanted you and you walked through life feeling unwanted and embarrassed to even show up at your own family gatherings because you were rejected. Some of you were abandoned by a spouse. Maybe they didn't divorce you. Maybe they just emotionally abandoned you. And you're the one that has to show up at the Christmas dinners with the family and explain everything because they no longer bothered to even show up and you're rejected and you're embarrassed. And I'm sitting here telling you this and some of you know I'm telling you the truth. And you're like, yeah, but pastor, that's just life. It is just life. But what it does to your soul is something we can't ignore anymore. It's something that 
We in the church world have went far too long without dealing with these soul wounds that have been left in our lives by people who didn't even know what it was they were doing to us. I'll tell you what, I have never handled rejection very well, but I certainly did not handle embarrassment very well. When I was young and I would get embarrassed, I started throwing fists. Listen, I'm just going to be honest. Y'all can sit there and judge me or, 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 or get high and mighty. I, I would fight at the drop of a hat when somebody would humiliate me. I didn't take it like it was a joke. Because I did not realize that the, that the wounds that was being left on me at home to toughen me up was actually making me a monster. Because I felt like the way you deal with these wounds to the soul was to hurt them physically. So I would act out and get into trouble, and I didn't realize that hurt people hurt people, and I was hurting on the inside, but they were hurting with their bloody nose and their broken collarbones, and I did not realize until far too late that I was lashing out of places that I didn't even know I could be healed. The teasing that I got at home to make a man out of me was causing phantom pains that, to be honest with you, haunt me to this day. I still don't like to be embarrassed. I still don't act and react to embarrassment very well. And, and I developed something that I have often called the gift of goodbye. And the reason I developed it was a defense mechanism. Because I was so hurt as a child with people who would just walk away and abandon me and leave me and people that were supposed to protect me and love me would abuse me and manipulate me. I had to emotionally learn how to, if you just walk away, I have to let you go. I can't chase you down. I can't let you take part of me with you. I have to say if you're out of sight, you're out of my mind because it was a defense mechanism for me to survive the pain that I was feeling from abandonment when I was a child. So if you reject me and you don't want me in your life anymore, I develop this defense mechanism that I say, and if I don't see you, I don't think that much about you anymore, and I just let you, well, because it is a defense mechanism. So the question this morning is not, have you been rejected? Because we've all been rejected. The question is, are you allowing it to still haunt you? Are you allowing the hurt to haunt you? Uh, because we are haunted by our hurts. Some kid in the third grade called you chubby on the playground. And you have never felt normal-sized. No matter how much weight you lose, no matter how, what you see as a reflection through the mirror, you've never felt pretty enough. Because sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is a good little rhyme, but it don't make sense once you get older and realize what words really do to the heart and soul. So you're on the playground and some kid calls you chubby, you've never felt pretty enough. That kid is no longer part of your life, but their words are. The abuse that you suffered at the hands of a husband or a wife, you can divorce them, cut all their pictures out of your family photos, but their words will stick to you. You can get rid of all their clothes, give it to Goodwill. You can change houses, locations, move halfway across the country. You, 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 can, you can split up from that company and not listen to that boss anymore. But you take those soul wounds with you when you transplant to another geographical location. See, see, I can tell by your shock and awe, you're not used to hearing this in church. You're used to just saying, this is the way of holiness, walk in it. And we don't understand why we can't. We don't understand why we can't do and live up to the measures that we read about in this book. And it's because we're so chained to the things that have hurt us. And we've, we're, we're asking for healing for our spirit. Guess what, friend? If you said yes to Jesus, your spirit's never going to be any more alive than it is right now. Because the moment he quickened your spirit, it became totally alive in Christ. But the rest of you, Still got to get saved. 
Your mind, your will, your emotions is still working this thing out. That's why the Bible says we work out our own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. So, so Saul, showed, Saul showed two signs early in his, in his reign that he was haunted by hurt. Those two signs are he was insecure and he was inconsistent. Let me teach you a thing. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 17. Sam, Samuel is rebuking Saul because Saul was disobedient again. And he says, Samuel told him, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did the Lord not anoint you king over Israel? Now, in, in one way, we can translate that as, Saul, when you were humble, God didn't have to humble you. When you humble yourself, the Bible says, God will lift you up. But he resists the proud, the Bible says. So in, in one way, we can translate that as to say, when you, get, you start beating your chest in the presence of God, God knows how to deflate it. But we can also look at that and say, Saul, you never felt worthy. You were insecure. The whole time you were hearing me tell you that God was picking you, you were little in your own sight. See, when you are haunted by the hurt of insecurity, you walk into every room, and when you get in there, you're wondering what everybody else is thinking about you. What everybody else is seeing. Am I dressed right? Do I, have, do I got any wrinkles in my shirt? Do, do, I wonder if I'm hair. I don't, I don't know what my hair is. And, and you're afraid and petrified to walk into the presence of other people because you're afraid of what their perception is. You have to take 70 pictures. My arm's not long enough to take selfies with some people because they want 10-foot, 19-degree angle with a half-twist. Got to move over here because the light's a little better here than it was over there. And, and, and you have to take 70 different pictures before you post the wrong one and somebody makes a comment or somebody don't like it or somebody don't think it is pretty. The right person doesn't say, oh, God, girl, you're beautiful. And it crushes your soul. And you'll take the post down because you didn't put it up for you. You put it up for affirmation from other people. And, and listen, I'm trying to help you because I've walked through this myself. He was insecure, and the second thing that was a sign that he had this, this that he was haunted by hurt, he was inconsistent. He was all over the place. Maybe you know some people like this. You know, this month they're going to school for nursing. Then they're going to drop out of school, and they're going to drive a tank. And then they're going to be a professional fisherman. And, and then they're going to law school to get a law degree. And then they're in a relationship. And then they're out of a relationship. And then they're going to rent. No, they're going to buy a house. And, and then they're going to live in Washington State. No, they're going to move to Mexico and be a, 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 a tourist guide. And, and there's no peace. There's no contentment. They're so unsettled. They can't ever seem to be happy for very long. Does anybody know anybody like that? Uh, oh, it's quiet in this mortuary. We are in a graveyard. I've done preached all of you right into it. See, when you live with the wrong kind of soul haunts for too long, you get desperate for relief. Once Saul got rejected by God, he tried everything to alleviate the, the hurt. And he ends up at a witch's house trying to call back the dead because he's looking for peace in a relationship that was broken a long time ago. Now, I don't know about you, but I know what it's like to hurt. I've endured a lot of pain in my life. I I've went through a lot of setbacks and disappointments, and I've had a lot of people scandalize and lie on me and cause me all manners of grief and torment. But never one time did I ever say, you know what I really need is a witch. 
how you handle things like disappointment and hurt. But <laughs> never in my life did I ever say what I'm really missing in this equation is a fortune teller. What was Miss Cleo's number again? I'm going to show you. You're showing your age if you amen that point right there. Some, some of you pre-internet folks that, that all we had to entertain ourselves with was the TV. You know Miss Cleo, huh? Now, you probably never went looking for a witch either, but that's not to say that you haven't tried to find relief in dead things. Uh, some of you run to addictions to find relief. Some of you run to ungodly relationships to find relief. Some of you run to a busy schedule. Because if you stay busy, you don't have to think about the pain that you're trying to bury. Some of you run to the refrigerator and eat your emotions. Some of you, some of you run to hobbies. Because if you get enough distractions, you don't think about the hurt that is haunting you. And some of us knows exactly what this feels like. And you may not end up at a witch's house, but you do dig up graves. Some of you dig up graves on social media looking for compliments. Some of you dig up old text messages to find somebody to help you get through this problem you're over. Some of you dig through news articles so you can find something to be upset and angry about. Some of you dig through the graves of a conversation you had with somebody and now they're funny with you and you start digging through the whole conversation to see what could I have said different. You're digging up graves looking for peace. See, we dig in the past hoping to find peace. And we don't realize that whatever is dug up from the grave brings death into our present. So, so when you start digging up in dead places, looking for peace and life, you don't realize that you're unleashing what should have stayed buried and bringing death into your life situation. Now, now, back to the story of Saul and this witch. Most scholars believe that this was some kind of an evil spirit impersonating Samuel. Remember, Saul never saw him. He perceived based on what he heard. This witch said, I see an old man with a mantle. Because Saul asked for Samuel, he perceived it to be Samuel. But most scholars believe that this was a tormenting, demonic spirit That Saul invited into his present situation by digging up a graveyard looking for peace. I just preached a whole lot right there. He was looking for something that was going to help him get over his hurt. And what it really did was a trick of the enemy to cause him more pain. The enemy always takes advantage of untreated pain. How does he do it? He speaks into your abuse. He speaks into your rejection. And he's always there to speak into, into your unhealed heart. Anytime that you live haunted by hurts from the past, it's an open grave for the enemy to use. See, rejection opens graves to the past. But so does abuse. And Some of you claim that you're healed, but you know that the abuse you suffered still haunts you to this day. Brokenness. You got brokenhearted all these years ago, and you, you claim you're well, 
But you know that that brokenness is an open grave that the devil still uses to poke and prod at your spirit. Pride is an open grave that the devil uses because instead of taking responsibility for your own actions, you always blame everyone else for how you have been neglected and abused and hurt. You think it's a memory, but your memory has become your identity because you keep snatching from the past and bringing it into the present, and now your memory becomes who you identify as. So you keep using hurt from 20 years ago and you wear it as a badge not knowing that you are taking on the identity of something that should have been buried. But you keep digging up graves looking for peace. Dead things in your present will never bring the result that you're asking for. And if you need more evidence that digging in the graveyard isn't the place to find peace, let's look at 1 Samuel 28 and 19. Saul went looking to raise Samuel from the dead. He went looking for life. And what he found was death. The Bible says, what's more? This is that demonic spirit speaking to Saul. The Lord will hand you and the army of Israel over to the Philistines tomorrow, and you and your sons will be here with me, the Lord will bring down the entire army of Israel in defeat. In other words, a demonic spirit said, where I am, you're going to be here tomorrow with your sons. He went looking for life, but he conjured up death. Digging in a graveyard, looking for peace. You're never going to find what you're looking for. I'm going to drop something on you. And I hope this gets in your spirit the way that it did in mine when the Holy Ghost gave it to me. Phantom pain won't kill you, but it will stop you from living. It won't kill you. You'll walk around with it, injured, wounded, haunted by hurts, decade after decade after decade, but it will stop you from truly living. Let me help you understand why I know this. I've been a pastor for a long time, and I know a lot of pastors. I serve on boards. I serve on committees. I'm a confidant. I have some that are colleagues. I have some that are very close, intimate friends of mine, and we talk. And one of the most skillful weapons that the enemy uses against pastors is the wound of rejection. Now, I know that when we stand up here and preach faith to you, you believe that we're impenetrable, that the Holy Ghost somehow puts a supernatural force field around us, and we will no longer feel the pain of rejection. But I'm telling you that, uh, that, that a pastor has to learn how to deal with rejection. Because one of the realities of being a pastor is that people come and people go. But sometimes people don't just go. Sometimes they go, and then they criticize. Sometimes they go, and then they start blaming. And it leaves wounds on a pastor. And it's not because pastors are more sensitive than other people. Here's what I've noticed about the testimony I get from other brothers, and myself included. When somebody tells a pastor that they're not enough to meet their spiritual needs... It just confirms what that pastor already felt from the beginning. I'm not good enough. When God calls us, inevitably we all say the same thing. I'm not good enough. Choose somebody else. And so in our minds we operate with this mentality, these wounds, because we remember who we were and what we've done. And we never feel qualified and we never feel good enough. And when somebody tells us we're not good enough, it just confirms what we already felt. And what happens is this. A pastor will get fixated on the rejection. And no matter what God is doing in the church, all they hear is the voice of rejection. Does this ring true in anybody else's life? In other words... We, we won't see anything that God's doing in the church. The whole church can be full. People can be getting saved. But we will see that empty seat where they used to sit and become fixated on what was lost instead of everything that was gained. And most of you know the pain of losing something and being fixated on what you can't get back 
No matter how great God is working around you and all the blessings that He is bringing into your life, you are tormented because what you don't have that you used to have and you are mourning the loss of Saul when David is the anointed to be the king. See, every one of you, you're not pastors, but every one of you knows the pain of being haunted by a person who is gone, but they're still with you. They're not in the house anymore, but every time the dinner table is sat around, you kind of still feel their presence. You're not going to help me there, are you? There's, there's a ghost sitting in one of the... How, how about you're not married to them anymore, but you can still hear them yelling from the other room and a blind, drunken rape. You're not going to help me, are you? It, they're not your boss anymore. They got fired. They moved up the ladder. But every time your new boss says, I need to have a meeting with you, you hear the old boss's voice coming out of their mouth, and you're terrified to go in and give the new boss a chance because of what the ghost of the old boss has done to you. This is reality. This is where we live. Most people have no idea that they are terrorized by trauma. Most of you have no idea of the ghosts that you are walking around with. That you, you are faced constantly with traumatic events. And when you're faced with trauma, you have to deal with it. We're not always equipped to deal with it. Listen, listen to what we want to do. Most of us want to go back to a time before the trauma. We'll revert back. Our proclivity is to revert back to the time in our life before the bad thing happened. Why do you think a 55-year-old man gets divorced, buys a a Corvette convertible, starts staying out all night and, and getting his clothes from Forever 21? Because he's trying to go back to before the trauma. He's trying, he's trying, to, get it, he's trying to go back and relive and c- capture some of that that he felt before the trauma because the trauma has so in- terrorized him that he doesn't know how to deal with the trauma and move forward. So he's trying to rewind and skip over the trauma. But you can't do that. You have to get delivered from the trauma. And so I'm going to put, give you a, 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 a pop quiz. I would call it homework, but you can't take it home because I need you to do it here. I'm going to give you a pop quiz. The key to getting delivered from phantom pains is to trace the source of the pain. Does, does anybody else in, in their house... Does anybody else in their house have a basket full of single socks? Okay, right? They didn't go in that way, did they? They weren't singles when they went in. They had a match. Come on now. Here's what I've never been able to figure out. They go in the washing machine as a pair. They come out of the washing machine as a pair, move three feet... And put into a dryer that obviously has a portal to another dimension where gremlins steal one sock. I don't know if there's a bunch of one-feeted gremlins in that other dimension or what they're doing with them, but they only take one. And then when you get your, because all them socks, if you put 12 pair of socks in, you're not getting 12 pair back. You're getting 11 and a half. Oh, yeah, and and, and when you get that one sock, you put it in the basket. But here's the problem. If you get enough of them unmatched socks, pretty soon that basket's going to overflow. And what's been going on in your life? I'm not charging you for this therapy session. We already took the offering up. What's been happening in your life is your basket's been overflowing. Because you haven't properly matched this to that. See, see, a haunted heart has a bunch of unmatched emotions 
going on. And you're angry today, and you don't know why you're prone to fits of rage when nothing discernible has happened, but you're just angry. And you don't know why. You don't trust people. And you used to be so compassionate and loving, and you say, life has changed me. You can't find a reason to smile. You used to be so much fun in the life of the party. See, you've been washing and drying your issues. But you've been losing stuff along the way. And you haven't properly matched the pieces together. You need to match that hurt with this emotion. That pain matches this anger. It's not you that's making me angry. I'm angry because of something that happened to me in 1982, but I don't deal with it because I'm tough and I was taught to suck it up. And grown-ups don't cry over spilt milk. No, they cry years later and then they make everybody else in the house cry with them. Because, honey, that basket's going to overflow eventually. You can keep pushing it down and pushing it down and pushing it down, but eventually an eruption of unmatched socks is coming out of that laundry room and somebody's going to have to deal with it. And We walk around wounded and haunted by hurts and traumatized because we're terrorized by past traumas that we have not dealt with because adults just keep on keeping on. No, Jesus came. He said that you could have life and have it more abundantly. And that don't just mean that I get to go to heaven when I die. He wants you to have some heaven right here and right now. So you need to match what was to what is so you can realize that this is not that because you're flying off the handle at something that doesn't exist anymore. This relationship is not the same one that caused my pain. So I shouldn't treat this pastor like the last pastor because this one's not that. You're not helping me. I shouldn't, help, I shouldn't hold Sarah to, 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 to Veronica's uh, issues because this is not that. Somebody help me. This is not the same opportunity that I wasted. Yes, I messed up. Yes, I fell from grace. Yes, I failed God. But this is not that. I'm not who that person was anymore. I'm somebody else now, and this is not that. This failure is not the end of my chances. I said that I was finished before, but I failed again. I said I was delivered before, but I messed up again. But this is not that because I'm still standing. And as long as there's breath in my lungs, I'll declare the goodness of God and I'll see him in the land of the living. So I want you right now, pop quiz, to trace... The pain. This is not that. What you're experiencing right now is rooted and grounded somewhere else. You don't, you don't trust nobody because somebody stole from you 27 years ago. Honey, we ain't all thieves. We're not all looking to take advantage of people. This is not that. Why would anybody in their right mind go digging in a cemetery to find peace? That's what happens when you don't let the Holy Spirit heal your trauma. You look in the wrong places to do it yourself. The Holy Spirit can't heal what you continue to hide. Remember I told you I was coming back to this. When Saul got ready to go see the witch, what did he do? He disguised himself. Uh-huh. He, he disguised himself to go digging in the graveyard. To go playing with witches and dead things. Which, by the way, meant he had to take off his crown. But I ain't got time to preach that. Uh, he disguised himself... You know you're looking in the wrong place when you have to hide to go there. 
Adam and Eve ate the wrong fruit, and the first thing they did was hide from God. They used to walk with God, talk with God, have fellowship with God. But as soon as they ate the wrong fruit, they hid from God. Because peace can't live in secrets. And shame becomes healed in truth. We hide things in life that we think are too much for us to handle. And if it's too much for us to handle, we know it's too much for everybody else. You thought that relationship was forever. You stood in front of me and I said, do you? And you said, I do. Look at him. Look how fine he is. And I looked at him. I said, do you? And he said, I guess. And y'all thought that thing was forever. And you said it was forever. And then, and we hide what we can't handle because we think it's too much to handle you raise them kids you raised them in church they sang in the little kids choirs at Easter time and you put your Sunday best on them and you did everything according to the book and then they started making their own choices and you said my God in heaven why hast thou forsaken me how do you handle life when it's too much to handle can I give you a teaching moment? We're better at hiding things than we are at handling them. And if we would get better at handling them, we wouldn't have to hide them. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, he's in the garden praying. I'm almost done. He's in the garden praying. In verse 38, he says this. I am so sad that I feel like I'm dying. I'm so sad that I feel like I'm dying. Has anybody ever felt that kind of grief? Has anybody felt that kind of anguish? What are you hiding today? After Samuel told Saul that their relationship was over. If you keep reading the scriptures. You'll never find one relationship Saul had. That was meaningful. He never found another friend. He never found another confidant. He never found another prayer partner. You find people that he was suspicious of. You find people he was jealous of. You find people that he didn't trust. But he had no more relationships. And the isolation of not having anybody drove him nuts. And gave the devil inroads to his mind. It kept him from healing. Saul eventually commits suicide. Because he was never healed from the wounds of rejection and embarrassment. You ever see a kid when they fall down and scrape their knee or they get a bump or a bruise and they run to you? Remember when your kids were little and they would run to you and they'd be holding their boo-boo and they'd be crying and pointing at it and they wanted you to see it? But then they'd say what? Don't touch it. Don't, don't touch it. They wanted you to see it but they didn't want you to touch it. We do the same thing every Sunday. We come to the right place with our hurts and show them to the one that can fix it. But then say, don't touch it. Because if I, if I expose it, if I bring it out, it's too much for me to handle. It's too much 
it's, it's too much. It, it's too much. I, don't touch it. Can I give you another teaching tidbit? Pain is inevitable. Healing is optional. Yeah. You know why? Because pain can't be taken. Pain has to be released. So some of us come to the right place every Sunday and get in the presence of the one that can heal it. But we hide it. Don't touch it. Don't, don't touch it. What, what are you hiding? Well, if they knew that I struggle with this, they wouldn't let me open service. They wouldn't let me sing on the praise. I don't know how the churches do it, but I know how this church does it. Because we're that church. And let me tell you how we do it. There's not a testimony in this room that doesn't have trauma behind it. There's not a voice in this room or on this stage or in this pulpit that does not have brokenness in it. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you this. Every heart in this church has some hauntings that we deal with. That's why this place ain't a graveyard. Because we don't stay stuck to the dead things. We call life out of graveyards and believe that if God can resurrect somebody like me, He can do it for you too. This place has no perfect people. This place is a place where every life has broken pieces and every story has ugly parts. And you've tried a lot of things to stop the hurt. But there's only one person, one man, that can touch it and take the pain away. Dreamer, if you would come down to this side for me. Tara, stand here. Just kind of spread out, maybe about 10 feet apart. Amy, come over here, Rhoda. Brother Mark, I'm going to ask you and Sister Nancy if you two would come up here. To and, uh, yeah, because here's here's what's about to happen. Some of you that's been hiding this four fifteen this morning, the Holy Ghost woke me up and had me go to prayer over this message. I wasn't going to do this. This wasn't what I had in mind. But he showed me. So I can just about come to you. But I, I'm not going to do that. That won't help you. Because pain can't be taken. It has to be surrendered. But he showed me. What was going to happen in people's lives. And how healing was going to come. So there's two things, prayer team, that I, I want from you. Two, two things. And, and it's going to involve you being real. But listen, if you want to leave wounded, you've been doing it for 20-some years, keep going. But if you want healed, this is what's it's going to have to happen today. You're going to come and find one of these prayer team members who've been praying for you all morning. And you're going to have to tell them, because remember the pop quiz? told you to trace the hurt you're still operating with the haunting of it you were supposed to trace the hurt while I was preaching they were doing that so when they come to you you're gonna ask them what what is the hurt and they're gonna tell you and after they tell you I don't want you to pray about the hurt here's what I want you to do I want you to bless them because they've had enough prayer over the hurt they, they, they've came to the altar enough times and heard prayer for that what they haven't heard enough of is somebody telling them who they are in Christ 
Because some of their hurts go back to where their daddy, their stepdaddy, abused them at seven and told them they were worthless. They need to hear, you're worth everything. You're worth so much that Jesus laid down his life to say, so, so you know, you're going to bless them. You're going to tell them they're beautiful. You're going to tell them they're welcome and the beloved. You're going to tell them that Christ has a beautiful plan for their life. And that no matter where they've been, it's not where they're going. Because God is bigger than all the chains that's been holding them back. That's, that's what you're going to do. So, so if you're brave enough today to quit hiding your hurt, I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you to find one of these prayer warriors that have been praying for you. and not, They've just been praying for you today. They've been praying for you for weeks. This is your moment. You've been looking in all the graveyards and all the cemeteries. You've talked to witches and warlocks and devils and demons. Why don't you talk to Jesus today? Talk to Jesus.